Anybody remember 1991? <laughs> I got a note back there. That was good. I got a lot of yeses. I had one no because we had that. Because some of you can't think back that far, and that's good. I, I remember Julie and I had just gotten married. We had no money. Uh, you know, y'all know how that goes, really. You know, everybody tells that story, and they make it sound like it's this thing where, oh, you know, it's this poor stuff. No, we didn't have any money. I mean, it was, I was, we, our schedule looked like we would go to school in the morning, and then she was working a job, I think, making, I don't know, $7,000 a year, and I was making a job, I was working a job maybe making $5,200 a year. So you combine that together, and we were still broke. Um, you know, all those type of things. And, and I remember riding in the car one day after school, and I don't know why we continually come back to this story. We just chuckle about it all the time. But we're riding in the car, and I told Julie, I said, you know, I saw this, I saw this baseball card. It's a basketball card. I said, I saw this basketball card the other day. And I said, and I really think, and this is silly, but I really think I should buy it. And I said, but I just don't have the money to do that. And it's kind of ridiculous to want to buy one of those basketball cards. And so Julia looks at me, she goes, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's a Michael Jordan rookie basketball card. And now this was before they had won any championships and he had done anything. It was just kind of this hunch that I had that that guy was going to be pretty good. You know what I mean? And I said, well, I really think we ought to buy it and kind of put it up because I think that one will be worth some money one day. And she goes, well, how much is it? I said, it's, two, it's 250 And so she starts digging around in her purse for $2.50. And I, and I had to explain, no, it's $250. And then it was, well, that's ridiculous. You're not buying a basketball card for $250 because there's no way. We don't have that kind of, I'm like, I know, but I just have this feeling. So every once in a while, I get online and I check how much that silly card is worth. And I go back and I go, man, I should have bought that card. You know, they're all over the place and they're only worth what somebody will pay you for it and stuff like that. But there's some of them that have gone for sixty and $70,000 if they're in the right condition. And I thought that'd have been a $250 seed that could have been planted, that could have paid off. But knowing me, what would have happened? You would have got impatient and when it was worth $1,000, you'd have gone, whoa, I got $1,000 out of that. And then somebody else takes it and makes more money. But it's always so funny because I, I think about that story and I always think time alone is going to tell the story, period. Time alone is going to tell the story. Only time is going to tell how things are ultimately going to work out in life. And there, there's actually a very biblical um, thought there because wisdom is proven with time. Think about that. Wisdom is proven with time. Have you ever tried to impart your wisdom upon someone that just doesn't understand your wisdom? You ever had that joy in life? And you have to think about how did you come about this wisdom? The way that you came about that wisdom more than likely was because you made choices that were probably not that smart. And you're wanting to tell other people, hey, please don't do this or please choose differently or I know what happens if you think this way or I know what happens if you do this stuff and I know that if we all think back and we look back in the past certainly for every one of us we're going to have things that we wish we would have done 
And we're going to have things that we wish we wouldn't have done. But, but I want to say this. You're where you are today because you've made choices. Every one of us are in this boat. Every single one of us are in this boat. It doesn't matter what those choices were. It matters that you're here today. And the truth is, we really don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, the next day, in the years to come. We just have to continue to try to make the choices today to move us forward because wisdom is proven right with time. Luke 7, 35, Jesus is talking. He says, wisdom is proved right by all her children, meaning that you don't know how this is going to work out until it starts producing fruit. Now, I can tell you something. I can kill plants like nobody's business. You give me a plant, I can kill it, all right? I'm good at that. Growing the actual plants, I'm not as, I'm not as good at. And if you hand me seeds and I look at them in my hand, I, I would have no idea what they are for the most part unless I threw them in the ground and miraculously they grew. And over time, something came up and I went, oh, that's a plant. I, and I still, I don't know on these type of things. It's just not an area of my life that I, I've ever really worked on. But the truth is today, we all have these seeds that we can plant and we can look at in our life. There's choices that we make. There's things that we do. And they are only going to be proven right or wrong over time. And the reason that we get stuck sometimes is because we don't, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And so we just keep trying to control it. We keep trying to do things that are going to help it work out this way or that way. And even right before the message, we're... We're down in the choir room talking about a few things, and, and Kathy asked me, you know, about, well, how do you prepare for a sermon? I said, I don't. I just make them up on Sunday morning. I'm just kidding. But I, she, she said, do you have a lot of notes and stuff? I said, well, I have, you know, if y'all ever see my notes, you're going to actually go, how in the world does he make an intelligent statement from any of these things? Because it's just thoughts throughout the week from the study that you write down, and you, it's kind of like connect the dots for me every Sunday morning. But the reason I do that, I say, is because you never know what the week is going to bring. Because the sermon this week is affected by Harvey, which when you're preparing a few months ago, you don't go, oh, there's probably going to be a hurricane this week and people in Texas are going to be, you know, in a, in a state of emergency. And no, no you, you have to be ready this week to kind of go, hey, something happened. We have to adjust. And so I want to say this about that this morning. You guys know as well as I do that one of the things that makes me proud to be a Southern Baptist and proud to be a Texas Baptist is that our our denomination does a wonderful job at disaster relief. And you need to be in prayer for those families and, and those people in, in South Texas who are dealing with that, and it'll be on into Louisiana. And if you want to help with those efforts by supporting them through some finances, if you will just write Harvey on an envelope and put it in there, we'll give it to Harvey Tate at the end of the I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll, if you'll just write Harvey on an envelope, we will know where that goes. We'll put that toward the disaster relief, and every dollar that you give will go and help and support. And as we find out other ways that we can help, we'll post those out in social media, and we'll also share with you those of the church. But kind of where we are right now is you can't really do anything until the storm fully passes, and so we won't know the damage until then. But I know that some of you are thinking in that direction, and I know you're saying, well, you already took the offering up. We have drop boxes all around the church, or you can hand that to one of the staff at the end, and we'll put it in the drop box for you. But we would love to help in that way. But just as I said, you, you couldn't even really prepare for this week because nobody knew, nobody knew that that was going to happen. Um, we, we were preparing, my wife and I had a garage sale yesterday, and it said 15% chance of rain all day long. Well, it 15%ed on us a lot <laughs> yesterday. 
And so you're constantly moving things in and you're moving things out and you're moving things in and you're moving things out in this garage. So we, we can't tell the future. So we have to make decisions today. We have to because you can't just stand still and, and not make a decision out of fear of, well, it might turn into this or it might turn in. You have to make a decision. You have to own that decision. And then you have to give the decisions time to grow. And that's the part that's difficult. You have to give decisions time to grow. And so the decisions you make today determine the path that you take tomorrow. But here's, here's what we need to do in our life. When we, when we think back, you know, and I tell silly stories about buying basketball cards and stuff, you, you've got to start looking for patterns in your life, not the one-time events. We all have one-time events where we go, ah, I missed that opportunity, or oh, that was awesome. But you can't build upon those type of things. You have to look for patterns in life. You have to look for things that go, you know what, I continue to make this decision, and it continues to either work or it continues not to work, and so I should either keep doing this or I should not do this. Or, or you, you begin those patterns and you say, hey, you know what, I, I see that this thing's been done this way for a long time, but maybe there's a better way to do it. And you look at this pattern and you go, let's make a change. It's, it's not real smart to make massive changes in your life based on one-time events. One of the things that I read this week, somebody won a ridiculous amount of money this week. Anybody know about, I know you're good Christians and nobody plays the Powerball, but some somebody won like 750 760 million dollars this week wasn't it something like that and I, I remember reading reading online this week Mark Cuban now I I don't know what you think of Mark Cuban but Mark Cuban billionaire and he's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks and somebody asked him he said well what do you think about somebody who's going to win all that money and he said look all it's going to do is amplify who they already were and he was trying to give them advice he said if you were unhappy on Thursday and you won the Powerball on Friday, you're gonna be unhappy on Friday. That money's not gonna change that. But if you're happy on Thursday, then you win that money, you're just gonna be happier on Friday because all the bills are paid and it's gonna be real nice about that. But it's not gonna change. And what he's saying is that one-time event, as significant as it may be, is not going to change, listen to this, it's not going to change a lifetime of a pattern of behavior. Think about that. That one-time event is not going to change a lifetime pattern of behavior. The only way you change that is you take the time to make those significant changes. Now, if you won the Powerball, I would appreciate if you'd tithe. And then the second thing is he said one of the smartest things ever, I think. He goes, if that person will just put that money in the bank and live off the interest, they don't even have to know how to invest or do anything. They and their family can live comfortable for the rest of life. But he said, but what happens is people win that type of stuff and then they try to make massive changes in their life. And they begin to say, well, I've got to act differently because now I have all this money. He's like, no, you don't, just, just live. He said, because if you weren't an investor before, you're not an investor just because you came into a lot of money. And you're going to see that money go away. That's pretty crazy, but we've all seen that. And so some of us get stuck, though, in these patterns. Some of us get stuck in life and, we, and we're asking this question, how do I move forward in my life? What do I need to do to actually move forward to keep progressing? And so I would encourage you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you today, it'll be on the screen or in the pew in front of you, we have some Bibles as well. And Galatians is near the, near the back of the Bible. In Galatians chapter 2, and, and we have been talking 
this whole month about what it means to tell our story, how, how we're supposed to take our story and how God can use our story of what he's done in our life to encourage and bless and, and help other people out. Because we need to be able to tell our story of what God's doing in our life, and that causes other people to think about, well, wow, if God can do that in this life, then maybe he can do something in my life as well. And in Galatians chapter 2, Paul is continuing to tell his story of what it's been like to walk with Christ. And, and so if we want to look today about how we move forward, we're going to look at a little bit of Paul's story. And what Paul does in this passage is he looks backwards for just a little bit. And I want to say this real quick. Looking backwards will never help us move forward unless we're looking backwards to learn something. It'll never help us move forward if we just constantly look backwards unless we're looking backwards to learn and remember, mm, maybe I should have bought that car. <laughs> you know, maybe I should have made a different decision. But just looking backwards doesn't help. I would not encourage you to drive home looking only in the rearview mirror today. It will not work very well. Now, you need to look in that rearview mirror every once in a while to make sure things are safe, but you don't need to live there. And so looking backwards doesn't help unless we look to learn. And this is what Paul's doing in this passage. Part of learning to move forward in our life is learning to honestly assess the decisions of the past. Let me say that again. Part of learning to move forward is honestly assessing the decisions of the past not just assessing them but honestly assessing the decisions of the past and we must hold our experiences we have to learn that I can take all the experiences in life that Lyndall Holloway has experienced and I, I can share those with you but I need to hold them with an open hand because my experiences and your experiences are going to differ so what Paul was happening what was happening in Paul's life at this point in time Paul had been walking with Christ Paul had been planning churches Paul had been teaching people and helping them grow. And Paul began to get a lot of criticism. There were people who had infiltrated the ranks and who were, who were criticizing the way that Paul was leading his church. And they were comparing Paul with other leaders in the church. And they were comparing Paul with things in the past that had happened. And, and things weren't going real well for Paul at that time as far as the critics were concerned. And I love the response that Paul has. Paul, as you can see from this story in just a minute, instead of whining and complaining, instead of getting on Facebook and going, man, there's a lot of haters out there who are hating me and stuff, and getting sympathy, Paul took that criticism head on. He internalized it and he said, you know what? Maybe there's something in this I can learn from. And so Paul listened to what was happening and instead of getting all upset about it, he said, well, let's just do some homework. And so Here's what he did, and I think that we can learn how to handle those roadblocks, those bumps, those times that we're stuck in life, maybe a little bit of how Paul handled some criticism in his life. Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, then after 14 years, now we're in the middle of his story, we started it last week, but Paul came to Christ and then began to grow and he, he what he said last week is I, I didn't immediately go and sit under somebody for teaching I didn't I went off on my own and God spoke to me and, and so that's why he says right here then after 14 years he said okay I've been learning I've been growing then after 14 years 
I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately, meeting privately, that's key for us in a very social world today, meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Look at this next phrase. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Now, get the picture here. Paul had started to get criticism. And instead of just defending himself and blasting those critics, he said, you know what? Maybe they're on to something. So even though I've been doing this for 14 years in my life, and even though I'm pretty good at it, and even though we can see all this fruit, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to check myself. And so Paul said, I went to Jerusalem and I put myself in front of the people who everybody esteemed as leaders, who everybody respected, and I presented to them what I had been doing because I wanted to get their feedback. And so that's how he responded. He, he went to someone who had more authority, maybe more experience, maybe more life than he did, and he said, you know what, let me tell you what I've been doing and let me receive your feedback on this. Picking it up in verse 3. After he had done that, it said, yet not even Titus who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Now, if you haven't caught on, what happened is some people started criticizing Paul saying, you're, the way that you're doing things doesn't look like the way that we used to do things. The way that you're presenting things doesn't look like the way the leaders in the past did things. And, and I, I, Paul, I have a problem with the way that you're doing stuff because it doesn't look like what we did. And, and we think that you need to go back and do it this way. And so Paul said, all right, let's go talk about this. So he went to the leaders and he said, the leader, he goes, we weren't compelled to do anything based on what the leader's feedback was. Verse 6, he said, as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Now pause right there. That sounds like Paul just got a little arrogant, didn't it? You know, they didn't help me. No, no. This is what Paul was saying. He said, I presented to them everything that I was doing and they didn't give me anything else to say. They basically said, Paul, what you're saying is true. They did not add anything to his message. They didn't come back to Paul and say, no, you need to throw this in there and, and one of these and two of these. It, you, he didn't add anything to the message. Verse 7, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who is at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Catch that. God was doing something in Paul's life that led him over here to do things that looked like this, that acted like this, that were still of God and that were still godly, but yet Peter was led to go a different direction to different people to do things a different way that was still ordained and led by God. Catch that, don't miss that. God is allowed to work more than just what we can comprehend. He can be doing lots of things at once in different ways, reaching different cultures, different peoples, different backgrounds, different circumstances, different ideas. And he can still be the center of it all and leading it 
in that direction. And that's exactly what Paul said. He goes, they recognized that God was doing something in me that led me to go this direction. And they recognized that God was doing something in Peter that led him this direction. And so they told him to keep moving forward. It says, James, Cephas, and John. Now, Cephas is Peter as well. James, Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they should go to the circumcised. And all they asked that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I had been eager to do all along. Which means they just shook my hand, looked me in the eye and said, keep up the good work. God's obviously doing something awesome in you. So you do that, we're going to do this, and let's move on with it. I think that's awesome. Because so many times, we just don't respond well to criticism. Let's just be honest about it. We get, we're going, if you're breathing, you are going to be criticized. And you need to learn, well, how, how do I respond to this type of thing? And the other thing is, we spend so much time in our life trying to prove ourselves or prove things to other people that only time will tell if it's right or wrong. I I don't even have to come up with an illustration for this, but I can just say, take a moment to think back on the things in your life that you would go, boy, I used to be adamant about this and now not so much. Boy, I used to be determined that this was right and this was wrong and now not so much. We all have these things where where we need to understand that God might be moving in some person's life. Aren't we thankful that God moves in some people's lives to do things new and fresh and in a different way and not just stuck and stagnant in the same way all the time? Because you, you realize that we're here as a result of decisions that other people have made that reached out to us as well. And other people are gonna come out of decisions that you make that are gonna reach out to them. And so wisdom is proven right through time. And I want us to take just a minute this morning to say, okay, well, what what can we learn and what do we see from Paul's story and his transparency that he gives us here in Galatians chapter 2? Well, the first thing that we see is this. Healthy growth takes time, right? Healthy growth takes time. That's why Paul said, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. 14 years into his journey, Paul was still looking to grow. So here's what I want to say. You cannot accelerate growth. If you do, you cannot skip a season. If you do it, there's just something that's not right about it. You you miss out on something. I I have an addiction to cooking shows. Anybody else have an addiction to cooking shows? Okay, I love these shows that take these people and they go, okay, you have 30 minutes to make a seven-course meal. Go. And I'm just going like, I don't think I'd eat that. You know, I, I think that more often than not, when they, you know, that chopped one, they open up a basket and it's like, you know, <laughs> disgusting things. And then they have 30 minutes and they make it into ice cream and you're going like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And that's the image that I have in my head when, when we just try to go, we try to go, we try to go, we try to go. And and it's this idea that, okay, we're going to take all these baskets of ingredients and we're just going to stick them all together and we're going to throw it in the oven. We're going to come out and go, hey, judge, eat this. And I love the looks on the faces when they cut this and they're like, need salt. And I'm like, that's all you can come up with? Does it need salt? It needs a lot more than salt. It needs an ingredient that I would eat. I, you know what I'm saying? It just, ah. Oh. But healthy growth takes time. You cannot replace those things. You don't plant a seed in the ground 
and then walk out the next day and go, hey, squash. It, it, it takes some time for those things to grow. And when we try to accelerate those things, though it might be entertaining on TV, I guarantee the finished product is nothing like if you looked at someone and said, I want you to make your best dish. And you have all these ingredients available to you and you take whatever time that you need. The one that gets me as a true blue Texan is when they try to smoke something in 30 minutes. I'm like, you can't smoke anything in 30 minutes unless you're going out to smoke a cigar or something like that. But you, you can't smoke anything in 30 minutes. And so they, they try to infuse smoke into it. They wrap it in a little bag. I'm like, that just, that's not right. That doesn't work. But some of us are trying to live our life that way. Some of us are trying to, to move in advance for things that, that take time. You know, the classic thing that we hear in, in our culture all the time is that the children that we're raising are trying to achieve the things that took us 20 and 30 years to achieve, and they're trying to get them now, right? And that's why the credit card debt is so out of hand in our world because people are trying to spend money that they don't have to get things that they don't need to impress people they don't like. You know, you've heard that phrase before. But they feel like they have to have all these things. And I, I seriously, when I go back to that story and remember 1991 and wanting to buy a $250 basketball card, and I just laugh because we couldn't afford McDonald's at that point in time. And you just chuckle about those type of things that you, you have this honest struggle, but yet somebody wise is kind of stepping back and going, this is not hard at all. Let me tell you what you do. You wait. You wait. And you let God work it out. Because I kept trying to look for that get-rich-quick scheme, right? Everybody falls into those. And that, more than anything else in our culture, you know what I, I believe if people try to sell to us more than anything else? Is shortcuts. You can cook this faster. You can lose weight faster. You can get rich faster. You can do this faster. And do you know the successful people? It didn't happen fast. That's the consistent thing when you talk with them. Well, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. I used to play, uh, you guys know that, I got started in ministry playing drums and traveling around with several musicians. And several of the musicians that you know of now, and we sing their songs in church, are the people that I used to play drums for when we were 18, 19, and 20. And people look at me all the time and go, oh, do you wish you were still playing with them? I'm like, no. Because for 15 years, they didn't eat. And I did because I, made, I, I was not cut out to do those things. I don't look back at that and go, ooh, I wish I'd have made a different decision. I look back and go, good for them that they stuck it through and that they invested what they needed to invest and they planted those seeds and they paid their dues and that now, over time, they're reaping the benefits of that. Healthy growth takes time. And Paul even says this, look, 14 years into this, I'm still willing to go and learn from other people. The second thing that I think we see in here this morning from Paul is this. You have to find your path. Find your path. Oh, how I wish that I could help people find their path. But I can't. I can only find my path. And you have to find your path. You have the experiences that you have. I have the experiences that I have. You have the giftedness that you have. I have the giftedness that I have. You have the abilities that I, have, that I don't have, and I have abilities that you don't have. You have to figure out how God has uniquely wired you and, and, and leads you to go. And I love this. A lot of people miss this or even think that this is, this is kind of this real ooh-ah mystic thing. But in this passage, Paul said 
I went up to Jerusalem. I went in response to a revelation. So let me cut that down in today's terms. Paul said, God told me to go, so I went. Now, a lot of times when we hear people say words like that, well, God spoke to me. We, oh, how do we do that? And I also think it's funny when we try to say, well, here's your five steps to hear from God. Here's how you hear from God. Talk to him. And you'll learn to, you'll learn to hear from him. Talk to God and you'll learn to hear from him. Day one, probably not real well. Day two, probably not real well. Month one, probably not real well. How far into the journey was Paul? He was a good 16, 17 years into the journey of walking with God so that God could come to him and say, Paul, I need you to go to Jerusalem. And he'd go, got it. What did that look like? See, what, we read this and go, how'd that happen? Well, how'd that happen? Because Paul probably had plenty of instances where he said, I feel like God's telling me to do something. But I don't know if this is God or not. So I'm going to sit still. And then he sits back and goes, oh, I probably should have done that. And so 16 years in it, you probably start figuring out this pattern. And you begin to see, oh, this is how God speaks. I've shared this story a ton of times. And it's one of those oh, stories. But it, back when Julie and I started dating, we had to still call each other on the, on the house phone. You know what I mean? The home phone. I know some of you can go back further than that. But I had to dial a number. And you did not know who was going to answer it on the other side. Okay? So you had to be prepared to actually talk to her dad. Huh, okay. Or hang up real quick or something like that. And, that, you know, and hope they didn't know Star 69 and could call you. But who, who called my house? So I remember when we first started dating that I would dial the number and I would pray, dear Lord, please let Julie answer the phone. I don't want to talk to anybody else. And so Julie would answer the phone, but I would still go, is Julie home? Because <laughs> I didn't know her voice. I didn't know who she, who she was. Now that we've been married for 27 years, then she, I, and I know people go, oh, but she can pick up the phone and before she even takes it, I can go, that's Julie. Because you can just tell from the surroundings about her how, or the, the first little breath that she's about to take to say, I'm going to go, that's Julie. You know? Now, it is embarrassing because you get used to calling your wife's phone now. And then when your children answer, you've got to be real careful about what you say. You're like, oh, hey, sorry, son. Um, is your mom home? <laughs> you know, so things like that. But you, you have to find your path. And the way that you find your path is that you learn to listen to God. And I'm going to go back to point one is that healthy growth takes time. There is no acceleration for you learning to hear from the Lord other than spending time with Him. I cannot wave that magic wand and get that. But there is zero acceleration in learning to listen and to hear from God other than you have to spend time with Him consistently, daily, and walk with Him. And so when Paul writes the words, I went in response to a revelation, he's saying, I went because God told me to. And, and we need to learn that God will actually lead us in our, in our life when we will learn to listen to Him. You have to tune God in in today's world that is full of noise. You absolutely have to tune God in. The third thing that we see from Paul's story and his transparency is this, that we have to listen and learn from others. We have to listen and learn from others. I love the humility that Paul displayed. Meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. You know what I see in this? I honestly see that if Paul had taken 
all, everything that he had been doing for 15 years. And even though he might have seen some good fruit out of it, I, I honestly believe from the bottom of my heart, from this testimony, that if he had gone there and he had presented those things to the people that were esteemed as leaders and they had gone, Paul, you're off a little bit. Paul, did you not understand this? That he was receptive and ready to make necessary adjustments to what God was doing in his life based on, based on the input from those seen as wiser than him. Let that sink in a little bit. Paul came to a point in his life when he was ready to say, hey, I want to I talk to you about what I'm doing in my life, and I need you to give me some honest feedback. And I believe that had they said, Paul, you've got you to change this whole thing, that he honestly would have. But in this scenario, he said what they heard was nothing that needed to change. And so that just helped him go even further. Now, isn't that awesome? You ever had that moment when you say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I've been doing things like this, and, th and somebody looks at you and goes, that's great. Keep that up. What happens in your heart when that happens? I'm in. I, I want to do this even more. I want to do this with, with more authority. I want to do this with more excitement. And so we have to learn to listen and learn from others. I love, love, love the fact that Paul, the guy who we look at now and go, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. You know, we put Paul like way up here on these lists of, of Christians that Paul was willing and wanted to make sure that everything that he was doing was right in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the leaders. What a wonderful example for us. Instead of feeling like I've got to defend everything when there's criticism, Paul just said, you know what, there's criticism. I better go make sure this is right. I'm not going to fight them about it. I'm just going to go and I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn from others. And then the last thing that we, we see in this from Paul's transparency is this. I think it's a little lesson for us all. Is that never limit God to your perspective. Never limit God to your perspective. Yes, you will walk with God. Yes, you'll hear from God. You will experience God in a unique way at times that maybe other people have not experienced God will walk with you through things that other people haven't walked through yet, yes, but we cannot then limit God to only our perspective of Him. It says in this passage that they recognized, the leaders recognized that I, Paul, had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. I love it. So first of all, we see that Paul went to the leaders and, and held everything that he did with an open hand to listen and to learn and to accept criticism and to learn and to grow. But then look at the leader's response as well. I love the fact that the leaders did not try to conform Paul to a certain methodology. They didn't look at Paul and say, well, well, Paul, maybe you should do it this way, or maybe you should, you know, maybe you should put one of these in, or maybe you should try this program. Or may they just kind of looked at the scope and said, you know what? It is obvious to us, Paul, that God is doing something in your life, and the big things are there. The gospel is, is not changed. You're obviously going to have to do some things differently because of the audience that you're reaching is different than the audience that we're reaching. But hey, you keep going. They didn't try to conform and make it all look uniform and neat. Now, I'm OCD. 
I like uniform and neat. Very, very much I like uniform and neat. But God is a creative God. Now, one of the reasons that I could not survive as a musician is because I like things uniform and neat. And if you're around creative people, they do not like things uniform and neat. And it it stretches me. We'll use that word today. That sounds good from the stage. It stretches me at times to be around people and you want to go, why did you do that there? I don't understand. My brain doesn't go there. And so I've had to learn and recognize that Man, there's some people who are going to do things different. They're going to think different. They're going to see things different. They're going to act different. And I don't have to be them and they don't have to be me. But when we learn to love and respect one another, we we both learn and grow. And that's exactly what we see. Paul went to those people and said, hey, here's what I'm doing. Can you give me anything to help me out? And they said, well, Paul, here, let me tell you about this. And they came together and they made each other better. And so dogs and cats getting along, you know, creatives and OCDs getting along together. That's the picture that we see here. Never limit God to your perspective. Our God is a creator. The entire scripture begins with, in the beginning, God what? Created. And he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. God can still create. God can still move. And so they saw, these leaders saw what God was doing in Paul's life, and they didn't try to box it up. They didn't try to program it out and say, here's how you plan a church and here's how you start this. Boy, we are masters at marketing Christianity today, but how good do we do at actually following God? There's my, there's my question for the church today. Let's quit marketing Christianity and let's just start following God. There's a difference between the two. There's a huge difference between the two. Let's not limit God to our perspective. Let's just follow him on this ride. And so I want to close this today just by asking you a question. What action do I need to take today that will write the best next chapter of life? What action do I need to take today that will write the best next chapter of life? You see, you need to plant some seeds in your life today that you anticipate will grow into something. And man, we don't know what's going to happen next week. But we can look at the past and we can learn from the decisions that we've made of what to do and what not to do. We can listen to others and we can gain advice. And we can actually allow others to speak into our life, maybe even some words of criticism and growth. But we can do that with an open heart and an open hand and see what God might do. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for what you are doing in the hearts and lives of so many people. I thank you for the fact that you are creative. I thank you for the fact that you are at work all around us. And so God, I pray that we would learn to embrace your work in our own life and in the lives of others and that we would see you do miraculous things. God, I thank you for this church and these people. And I pray that they would learn to follow you more each day as I learn to follow you more each day as well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.